0: This This song song resides resides in my my heart heart every every day. day. Every Every day. day. And it's a challenge. It's a challenge. It's a challenge to live a focused life, wanting to be changed, wanting to be different, and wanting Christ to be in me. This morning, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. If you would all stand as we have the reading of God's word this morning. Lord, Heavenly Father, we open up your word this morning. Reveal yourself in a mighty way to us this morning. Help us to hear, see, and apply your truth to our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 It's for this reason I kneel before the Father that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do measurably more than all we may ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us, to him the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I believe God wants First Baptist Church Wallingford to impact the world in which we live. I believe that God desires all to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I believe he has commissioned First Baptist Church Wallingford with the responsibility to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ into the world. But I also believe we, the church, have limited ourselves. And in doing so, we have limited God as well. It's time that we unleash the church. The church needs to be different. needs to change. Let me ask you, we all know what a leash is, right? Right? It's a strap or cord for restraining or or guiding or limiting a dog or other animal, correct? Now, most leashes nowadays have this button you can push, which locks the leash, to do what? The purpose of it to limit how far your pet, your dog, may go out, right? Now, I wonder if the church has been limited in what we can do because of this type of leash. I don't know your experiences, but we've had many dogs in our lifetime. Dogs do not like to be leashed, do they? And often when they realize that they're not leashed, what happens? They go everywhere. They go everywhere. We, too, the church, when unleashed, are free to do more and be more. Amen? But sadly, our leashes can hinder us from going too far, from going everywhere. So when we take steps in the right directions, what happens? We get to this point where we're pulled back. We're pulled back. This morning, we're continuing our series, Living a Focused Life. And I want to speak to you this morning specifically about a shift of focus. Focus on self and onto others. Now, the key, understand this please. The key to church maturing spiritually And reaching more people for the kingdom of God is for the church to have an outward focus. This isn't easy. Why? Because so much of a church's focus is on themselves and on those they consider to be saved. And by saying that, that is our leash. Now, don't get me wrong. Yes, I believe there are things within the church we cannot avoid spending time and energy on. That's a fact. But think for more. Think about what consumes our time and our energy in the church, which in and of themselves are not wrong. They're not bad. But well, watch this. Countless hours and dollars are spent on the maintenance of a church building so that we can gather in a functioning place. Countless hours are spent on programs and fellowship events within the church. You know, we talk a lot about the necessity and the importance of, of serving within the church, right? Where we focus on getting things done within the church and for the saved, for church members, sometimes to the neglect of encouraging people to serve outside the walls of this building. Amen? But listen, who's left out? Who's ignored? Who is not priority when we function and focus that way? A focus on those outside the core, the lost, the unsaved. Now, if you don't believe that to be true, Listen to the discussions and what upsets people within the church. Listen to why churches disagree and some churches even split. It's usually not over the important stuff, and that's a fact, but over silly preferences that people have. Upset because they don't get what they want or disagreements on how things are done in the church. Now, if we would all learn the most important truth concerning the church, the family of God, then I believe we can change that narrative. And here's the truth. We need to understand it's not all about us. It's not all about you. It's not all about me. We are not the number one on the priority list. The church and the world does not revolve around our wants, our desires, or our preferences. God is to be the number one focus. And then our focus should then be on others. Most churches have a focus problem. Most churches have a focus problem. Churches spend so much time and energy catering to internal needs, which sometimes make it difficult to focus on other people because we all live it here. Now, I think we all know or should know this meeting place, this building is not the actual church, right? You're the church. I'm the church. We're the church. Now, listen to me closely. If we have the mindset to just attend church and then think that we have done our Christian duty for the week and honored God, then common sense reality is when worship service is over, what happens? We then leave the church behind. Fair enough. We greatly limit ourselves when we think that we have done our religious duty by attending church services each week. That leaves us. You know what happens here when we have that mindset? That leaves us with a lifeless object, unoccupied the remaining days of the week. Then the church, you and me, cannot impact our community very well, can we? When we remove ourselves from being the church... My vision for First Baptist Church Wallingford is not just to be a church without walls, but also a church that as we go into the world and live our lives, we will share Jesus with other people. In just a moment, I will show you why that should be the vision for every church. The only way we can make an impact in this world, this community specifically, is to unleash the church. So, wherever a believer goes, the church is always there loving, setting an example, serving those around them, and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the church. We all realize that there are people going through difficult times in life. Struggling with sin. There's addictions. There's broken homes. There's depression. There's countless other issues in life and we all realize this. But do we realize that Jesus is the only solution to all those problems? He is the only solution to all those problems. For so long we have talked about problems, preached about the problems, spoke about the problems, but have done very little about fixing the problems. I believe, it's, I believe it's high time we stop all the complaining about the world's problems and unleash the church, be the church, be in the world. We are to be the salt of the earth and light of the world. Amen. Amen. So unleashing the church requires a change of focus. We have to have a change of focus. It's a lot easier and a lot more comfortable to keep an internal focus, isn't it? That's so easy. But I want to want to challenge all of us to have a change of focus. Focus beyond what's happening internally. You know, we talk a lot about how we can meet the needs of those in the church. And that is important. Very important. However, we cannot neglect those outside the walls. We cannot neglect the unsaved. We cannot neglect the lost. So I suggest that we take That we look not to what we like or how we prefer things to be done or what we want to happen, but focus on others above ourselves. The lost, the unsaved, the hurting, the sick. We need to unleash the church to go into the world. Do you realize it's okay to do that? Unleash the church to go. That's my favorite word in the Bible. Go. Go into the world. But this requires us to refocus. It requires us to be different. To regain the purpose of the church. We've lost that. I mean, it it demands, it demands us to evaluate our priorities. It's a must. Now, you may know this, but there are a few primary differences between those who focus inward and those who focus outward. Inward-focused people are self-serving. Outward-focused people are self-sacrificing. Inward-focused people are busy looking out for themselves and what they can get and how it's going to please them. They're the type that will rarely make any sacrifices or be inconvenienced for anyone else, but they expect others to cater to their needs. That's inwardly focused. The outward focused people are the ones that often give up their wants, their preferences, for the sake of others. They would rather do without than have someone else do without. What type of people would you want in the church? Jesus was the definition of self-sacrificing. He is the example that we're to be. He did not come to be served, but rather to serve and share the kingdom of God. Inward-focused people expect to receive. outward focused people expect to give. So inward focused people expect every decision to accommodate them, to make them comfortable. Outward focused people spend more of their time looking for ways to give and to serve other people outside these church walls. What type of people would you want in the church? Inward focused people serve conditionally. There's always a condition. Outward focused people serve unconditionally. Unleasing the church into the world begins with a change, a shift in focus off self and onto other people, the lost, the unsaved. And they're all around us, they may be in your family. They may be your next door neighbor. There may be the group of uh, some of a group of women that you meet with during the week, or group of men that you meet with during the week. It may be in your workplace. It begins by not looking at what we can get, but rather what we can do. Let's change our focus from within. Remember, Jesus resides, the Holy Spirit resides within us, right? Let's change our focus from within to those beyond these walls. Great, great Charles Spurgeon quote. And I know there's a few Charles Spurgeon fans in here. To be a soul winner is the happiest thing in the world. And with every soul you bring to Jesus Christ, you seem to get a new heaven here on earth. Amen. Unleashing the church, Understand this, unleasing the church requires every church member. How do I know this? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork. Who's we? Believers, the church, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's already out there. It's already prepared. We just have to walk into it and do the mission work, the ministry that Jesus leads for us to do. You and I are being recreated to do good works. A good work is a divinely prescribed action that benefits others in a way that God is glorified. God saved you and me, understand this, God saved you and me for His purposes, His pleasure. (laughs) Wake up! God saved you and me for His purposes and His pleasure. And when we understand the grace at which God saved us, understand this, gratitude will drive your response, will drive your actions to the good works that has always been designed by God. Always been designed. We just need to walk in them and produce fruit. And understand this, for anyone that's in the church family, no one is expendable. There is no one that does not matter. It takes all of us to make a difference in this community. It takes us all Not just two or three. It takes everyone. Those here present, those listening or watching online. The church, you and me, are called by God to continue Jesus' ministry. Each of us have been gifted by God with a resource, a talent, or an ability that we can use for the kingdom of God. All of us. No one's left out. God has given every one of his children a special gift to do his ministry. I believe many understand the necessity and the importance of reaching the lost. I believe we understand that. But most of the time we're confused about our responsibility to do it or how we are to do it. Now, although inviting someone to church is a good thing, and it is. I applaud you if you do that often. Although inviting someone to church is a good thing, many feel that inviting someone to church removes the burden of evangelism, reaching the lost from their lives. Oh, I invited someone uh, to church, Pastor Steve. My my part's done. But you, the church, are, are much more than that. You're much more than that. In fact, the church, oh, this is, a lot of people will question me on this. In fact, the church is for the saved, not the lost. Let me clarify that statement. Biblically speaking, people become believers and then come into the church community. That's true. Ministry for every Christian is much more than an invitation of inviting someone to church. It's a sharing of your life to be different, to be changed. We all have a ministry in the world in which we live. All of us do. And for the church to truly be unleashed, to go, everyone must be involved in kingdom ministry. Everyone. No one is to be left out. And I can only hope that when all is said and done, we haven't said more than we've done, right? We are the church. We are to go. We are to make disciples. It leads me right into the Great Commission. We know Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Go make disciples of all nations. Do we have that, guys? Yes. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Remember that verse, please. Verse 18. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Do you realize these are the final words of Jesus? The final words of Jesus... In these words, we find the marching orders of the church. This is our marching orders from Jesus. That's it. Jesus spent three and a half years with his disciples. This is God himself. And before he ascends unto the Father... This is his final words. That's it? That's it, Steve. Go and make disciples. Teach them all that I've commanded. Baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's it. The command, go. That's my favorite word in the Bible. G-O. Say Go. Mean it like you live it. Go. 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 The command go literally means as you are going. That's what it means. As you're going about your life, you are to make disciples of the people that you encounter, that you engage in your lifetime. That's our marching orders. Do you realize when you engage people's lives, and it's not wrong to do this, we engage in all kinds of conversations, don't we? And we can talk about anything up under the sun. And we think we know about everything up under the sun. If we can converse that easy about the weather, about sports, about hobbies, why can't the love of your life, Jesus Christ, be easy to speak about? Right? Go. Now, what I'm about to say next is something you need to understand or write down. Discipleship. Please hear me. Discipleship is the key element of God's kingdom agenda. Discipleship is the key element of God's kingdom agenda. Now, listen closely. The effectiveness of a church is evaluated not in the number of its members, but by its disciple making. The effectiveness of a church is evaluated not in how many members or name of people that are on a list but by its disciple-making. Matthew 28. Imagine the impact First Baptist Church Wallingford could have on the community, the world, if everyone was involved in this ministry. True? And you're not doing it by yourself. Why? Because God's already ordained it. He's already given you the gift, the talent. And most of all, he's given you his Holy Spirit. Not just ministry within these walls. Not just cleaning and teaching and serving uh, others, whatever's happening in this building. But ministry outside the walls of this church building. Your life. It is the absence of discipleship that keeps a church powerless and ineffective. Do you hear me? It's the absence of discipleship that keeps a church powerless and ineffective. Because by not taking up the great commission in Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18, I told you to remember verse 18, right? Because by not taking up the great commission, the people, the church body, cannot draw on Christ's authority. If we're not (laughs) discipling, we can't draw upon His authority. We accomplish disciple-making by doing what? Going, baptizing, Teaching. You must go. And for you football fans, you must go, leave this holy huddle, take your witness into the world, and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it means for the church to be unleashed. Unleashing the church requires involvement. Especially in the community. Because this is where God planted us. One of the issues that we must deal with as a body of believers is how we are to be in the world but not be of the world, right? That's, that's tough. Now, I understand that we need to choose our companions and people and our acquaintance, acquaintance in life very wisely. We need to choose those wisely, right? Right? But I also understand that if I am to reach the lost, the unsaved, there's a certain amount of time that I have to spend with the lost people. That's a must, or we can't bring salvation to people. We need a ministry outside of the walls of this building. We often see the problems in the world, in our community, and think how awful awful those things are. And we just shake our heads at it. And then we turn our backs and walk away. Is it fair to say that we spend too much time complaining about the mess and little times doing anything and little time doing anything about the mess? Now, the world knows where Christians stand on certain issues, don't they? But maybe they don't know that we care enough to act upon them. All they see is the church withdrawing from them. Jesus is our best example. Remember this in the Gospels. He was ridiculed for the way he did things, for his methods. Oh, that went against the tradition of the Jewish people. How can you be doing that? You're messing us all up. He was ridiculed for this. He was labeled by the religious elites, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, as a wine bibber and a drunkard and a friend of sinners. I don't know about you, but I'm glad Jesus is a friend of sinners because I'm a sinner. Who did Jesus spend most of his time with and ministering to? Sinners. Sinners. He was with the lost people. What did he say? He was not here for the healthy. They didn't need a doctor. He was here for the sick. He was here for the sick. I believe we've done a great injustice in withdrawing from the community. Now listen to me. I'm all about being holy and set apart. That's not going to change. However, we do not want to be so far removed from society that we lose our influence. Go to Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Have we lost our saltiness? Let's be honest with ourselves. How much influence do the church and the Christian communities really have? We're losing the influence by not engaging community. Christians have... Form their own schools now, their own groups, their own everything. And as a result, we have put our light under a bowl. We have taken the light out of the dark places. You are the light. Most churches, I'm not going to say all, but most churches do ministry at arm's length. And I can expand on that. That's another sermon in itself. Not many people, though, have the integrity and the audacity to say that they don't want lost people to be saved. But we must question why we do the things the way we do it. I praise God that I have Christian fellowship and and, and, uh, Christian friendships. I thank God for that. But I wonder what damage is being done when we distance ourselves from lost people. Unsaved people, those that are deliberately walking away from God, those that need to hear the gospel message. We find ourselves far different and so removed from Jesus' mission for the church, right? That's right. Jesus was among the lost. He loved them with sincerity. He loved them. There was no strings attached, none whatsoever. However, don't miss this point. Don't miss this point. Yes, Jesus loved sinners. He's a friend of sinners. He was among sinners. But watch this. Jesus never, ever compromised his message. Never, or refused an opportunity to call that person to repentance confess of your sin even though he engaged them he never passed up that opportunity for that kingdom message never jesus was different that is that he was among the hurting the depressed the sinners The lost, those that were searching. Let me close with this. In response to all that we've been speaking about this morning, many of us may think, you know what, Pastor, I I don't want to get too involved because I don't want to be influenced by the world. Let's be honest. Because I believe we would discover that statement is just a cop-out. Could it be, and this is a question, could it be that we are far more comfortable doing nothing than something? While the church has formed their own little circles, circles and groups, understand this the world has also been doing something. The world has been changing, and you've seen it. The world has been changing. It has been growing in immorality and distancing itself from Christ and the church. And the church has sat back and watched as the world has gotten darker and darker and darker. And I want us to think about this just beyond the walls of this church, not just the world itself. All because we're focused on ourselves and not involved in continuing Jesus' mission. And that's the key. That's what it means to unleash the church, to be different, change, go, And I want you to listen to me closely. I believe meeting with God's people for the concerns of the church body is vital. That is a given. And I will continue to emphasize the importance of the devotion to God's Word, to the fellowship, to the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Because it's vital. But I would also say we need a little less talk and a lot more action. Wasn't that a song? Being more about the Father's business. And I tried to relay some words to you on what the Father's business is. I've come down to three words prayer, care, and share. After all, doesn't our gatherings become pointless if we as the church are not reaching lost people? Absolutely. Absolutely. The point is this. We shouldn't just talk the talk. We should walk the walk. And we all claim to be people of God, the church, Christians, Do you have an issue with abortion? Do you have a problem with homeless and poverty? What are you doing about it? Do you have a problem with uh, divorce, adultery, immorality, and all of of the, the perversions you see in the world? What are you doing about it? Do you care about the grieving? the suffering? You care about those struggling with addictions in their lives? What are you doing about it? Did Jesus care about these things? Answer that question for me. Absolutely. You know how we know this? It's in Scripture. Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. Verses 1 through 3. Do you realize when Jesus began his ministry and he came into the synagogue, this is is what he quoted? This is what he read? He was introducing himself. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness uh, for the uh, prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of your God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of a righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. That's the church. Find something that burdens you and get involved in the community. Find a place to volunteer. And what this is the most important part, find a place to volunteer and let the community know that you love the Lord Jesus Christ and you are there because you care. Let this community know that you care about its soul. And with God's help and His guidance, you will make a difference one person at a time. One person at a time. The church is at its best and most effective when each member is being a witness for Christ as they're going about their daily business in life and serving the community. Unleash the church. Unleash the church. And yes, it's my last sentence. I hope that in, at the, in the end, we can say this. The church has left the building praying, caring, and sharing. Amen? Amen. Amen. And this time, as you can see uh, this morning, that uh, Lord's Supper, this, this is the day that we come together and remember what Christ has done for us. But I also, as our ushers are getting prepared, I want to give you the opportunity to check yourselves. Where are you in your relationship with Jesus Christ? An opportunity to come before this throne, this altar, and pray. God is directing us to be about his business, to understand the meaning of, of Christ's work on the cross, his calling upon our lives as the church. So give God this moment. Come to this altar and see if your heart still loves Jesus Christ. As Jesus spoke to Peter in John chapter 7, no matter what's happened in your past what's going on in your life Jesus loves you and when he approaches Peter and John the book of John he asks John I mean excuse me Peter three questions right do you love me do you love me do you love me he didn't care about his past how he neglected Jesus at the cross No matter what he said how he lived his life and he walked away from Jesus in that time of despair He's not bringing that up All he wants to know Peter do you love me Church Jesus is saying do you love me He's not looking at our past He's looking at our potential and our future in those that love him. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this glorious day that you've given us, Lord. We pray as we come before your table this morning that we understand the true meaning of your sacrifice, the depths of your sacrifice, the abundance of your grace. and the abundance of your love so Lord search our hearts this morning and may we have a solid answer for your questions of do you love me and then he will say go and disciple go And take care. Go and be my disciples. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Before we partake of the elements of the Lord's Supper let me just read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 for I've received from the Lord but I'll also pass on to you the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and he said this is my body which is for you So before we partake of the bread,
1: Bill, will you pray for us? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus. As we look up at the cross, Lord, it's strange. A symbol of capital punishment, Lord, but this is the means by which the center of of all history revolves. Because Jesus came from glory, He came down, He lived a perfect life so that He could be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Thank you, Jesus that as we take this bread, which represents your body, we acknowledge that the wrath of Almighty God and justice against our sin was placed in the body of Jesus. He was beaten. He was crucified. The punishment that our sins deserve, he took in our place. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus for giving of your body and dying in our place. Pray in your holy name. Amen.
0: And before we partake of the cup as well, Mary Ellen, would you please pray for us?
2: Lord, we thank you so much that in your blood that you shed for us that blood brings life. Blood brings life to the body, Lord, and you shed your blood for us to have life. Lord, and your blood also takes away our sins and purifies us just as our blood cleans us and takes away the impurities in our body. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for this This plan and this sacrifice, and our Lord and Savior Jesus on the cross for us. We thank you that He suffered and He died for us. We don't deserve it. No one does. But you chose it. You chose to demonstrate your love for us in this sacrifice and this suffering. So help us to rejoice, Lord, in your love. And your great love that you showed us by allowing Jesus to die for us on the cross. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.